Sla die pad saam met Ruben Delmaas op Groot FM 90.5. En in luister hier. As jy nou verlede week donderdagavond op Sla die sporte geskakel het, sy gehoor het van Joey Evans en uh, ek is een bykie met hom gesels verlede week en ons het specifiek gesels oor die Red Line events en ons gaan specifiek daar oor gesels, maar dit het ek ook gesê donderdagavond dat jy moet ingeskakel wees vandag, want vandag wil ons Joey Evans' story vertel en ek wil hier met die story hoor, hier is ongelooflik, ek sal dit klaar met doen en vlees as ons nog eerst begin praat nie, maar hoor dit gevandag hier so en ek gaan in sommige van Engels doen, Joey Evans, sportsman, adventurer en inspirational speaker um, and your motto in life is you didn't come this far, only to come this far. Listen to this. Completed several marathons and ultra marathons. And I want st- to pause there and <laughs> say, you must be my best friend now from, from here on forward. Hiked the Fish River Canyon, finished the route of Africa Enduro, raced the Botswana in the Botswana, Botswana Desert 1000, and was the only South African biker. Listen to this. The only South African biker to complete the 2017 Dakar Rally. But not just be completed, there's a story to this. Um, he's raced and ridden his dirt bike throughout South Africa and as well as ridden, ridden, ridden in Kenya, Mozambique, Swaziland, Lesotho, Botswana, Namibia, Morocco, uh, Bolivia, after the list goes on and on. And he's also written a book and I've not gotten around to, to, to read it yet, but I will do, uh, from Para to Dakar. Uh, Joey Evans, ladies and gentlemen, how are you doing? Hey, fantastic. Great yes. to be here. Cheers. Can't wait to chat to you and tell your story. But before we get there, Red Line events this weekend, it took place. How did it go? And tell us a little bit more for the guys as listening for the first time. What's it all about? Yeah, for sure, man. It was it was a pretty special weekend. And I was invited to uh, to navigate for Terence Marsh as part of the Red Line Nissan team yeah. um, in the in the national cross-country race, you know, in the cars. And obviously coming from a a motorcycle background you know dirt bikes and things it was a very very different experience um one of the first things that really hit me was just the speed you, you know the stuff that on a bike you'd have some rocky sections and stuff you'd be tapping off that throttle you know trying to pick your lines through these guys just hit the floor yeah. with that accelerator and just go straight through it man that suspension just works <laughs> and so i'm sitting there in the navigator seat and i'm pushing on those yeah, floorboards yeah, yeah. with my with my brake foot you know <laughs> yeah. trying to slow it down but it was so it was really just just a wow experience yeah amazing what is it all about for who is this is it a thing that happens all the time yeah he's done it a bit with the you know he's chosen different guys you know over the last uh, you know a couple of years um, and obviously it adds a bit of publicity for for the red line um, Nissan racing team and the sponsors like Motul and these kind of guys you know um, and they've had guys like like Derek Watts and, and Jack Parrow and a few of the the Springbok rugby players do nice. it and that kind of stuff um, and he phoned me and asked me to do it and it was it was pretty special I never thought he'd, he'd ask me to do that you know so it was oh. it was super cool when I got that call and I was I was like a little kid before Christmas, you know, I get to go race some cars. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool. But I suppose the navigating wasn't that difficult for you. It might be a slight little bit of changes to, to high, different calls and so on, but is it a lot different? It was a lot different. You know, I thought it would be a lot more similar. You know, we, we race with the navigation at, at Dakar and at, at Morocco and these kind of places I've been. And as a motorbike, uh, you know, as a motorbike rider, you, um, you navigate and you ride. So there's a lot of like, look up, look down, look up, look down, trying to make the calls. But I look at a picture, for instance, and it's straightforward. I can see it's going round to the left, over to the right, type of thing. Now you've got to say all that in words and like twice the pace, you, you know. Of so course. it was a bit of a mindset change. Um, and so in the yeah. beginning it was a little bit rough and Terence did well to to keep us both alive. But, uh, <laughs> you know, after a while I got into it and, and by the end of the day I, I had it I had it nailed and, and we got some, we were finally racing. In the beginning we were just surviving. So, yeah. so And result? Results we came, uh, oh, do we think now we came, I think eighth overall and, nice. and fourth in our class. So at a national event, that's, 
that's 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 really good and it's really yeah. good of, of Terence to have achieved that in spite of me yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it uh, also took place in Bronco Sprite eh? yeah just up the right yeah, yeah nice yeah, yeah. one listen I want to get to your story I want to get to the book and what you wrote about and uh, especially what happened about 10 what was it now 11 12 years ago yeah yeah, yeah. 2007 yeah, so yeah. About 11 years ago we got to get to that just now Sladdy Pat saw me Ruben Delmarsh on Groot FM 90.5 Joey Evans saw me in Atelier and uh, what an inspiration I'm going to see here the house stories what the hell it feels like when I'm speaking to you, like the commerce is nothing. The commerce <laughs> is nothing to what you had to go through. I mean, you prep for like a year for commerce, but you prep a lot longer for something a lot worse than commerce. But we'll get to that now. Let's go way back. Let's go way back. Okay. You, where were you born? I was actually born in the UK. You know, we moved out here when what? I was five. So, whereabouts? So, uh, Birmingham. Oh, nice. Um, so, so, I grew up here. I grew up in Kempton Park on the East Rand. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I spent, uh, you know, from when I was five years old, being being this side. Yeah. Crazy. And always been an adventurer at heart. Or when did you discover that? I don't know. My my dad used to take us hiking a lot as kids, and that was that was that was really cool. I used to enjoy the the outdoors a lot, camping, hiking, that type of stuff. Um, but I only, you know, and I always wanted to to race motorcycles. That was a, a dream from when I was young. I had some some mates who used to race motocross and things. But I, I grew up in quite a big family. I was, I was one of six children, so okay. there was uh, yeah, there was no money for for motorbikes and that kind of stuff. So it actually took me till I was 26 when I bought my first motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. Was it an off-road? Yeah, yeah. Always been off-road. Always off-road. Yeah. Road bikes in not- the dirt. I've had a couple of road bikes along the way, but. Um, but but dirt bikes is my passion. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then from there on, you you bought your off-road bike, and then you started doing some races, I suppose. Did a lot of trails and tracks and stuff like that. Yeah. And then at some point, I mean, like in uh, for every runner, there's this ultimate goal. That's, for yeah. a cyclist, there might be this ultimate goal. What was your goal? Yeah. Well, on a on a local level, you know, the goal for a lot of riders is to do the Roof of Africa, which is in Lesotho, um, and that was one of my goals. But but the big goal, um, which would be, you know you know most off-road bikers big goal you know on an international scale would be the Dakar rally that's the that's like the big one you know it's the it's the toughest longest hardest off-road race in the world and so you know you'd see images on tv these guys racing through the deserts in north africa and things and when i was in my 20s i saw this and i was like yeah that's the one man that's i'm gonna race the Dakar rally one day yeah, yeah, and in that time, or was it before that time, you also did a whole lot of runs, ultra marathons and stuff like that? Mm, yeah, I, I used to run a lot uh, in my early 20s, yeah. um, which isn't that long ago. Um, okay, it's a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got into running and you know, I was part of a running club and we used to, you know, I started off with you know, the 10s and 15s and then up to 21s and the goal there was to race the Comrades Marathon and, Heck. you know, same as you, you know, your goal. Yeah. And that was one of those goals that I didn't achieve, actually. It was... Um, you know, I qualified and I raced some marathons and ultra marathons, and it was a week before the the Comrades Marathon. I was playing soccer um, for a friend's company, actually, just a social soccer game, and I ended up tearing the ligaments in my knee. Oh, and, no. And, and yeah, you know, I was out the race. I mean, it was out, it was, you know, a week lost before my, Comrades. A week before, yeah. Hectic. And so I sat there watching Comrades with my leg in a, in a <laughs> oh, cast, you no. know, from my ankle up to my hip, and it was just, ah, it was miserable. Yes, that's the worst and then thing. Got into running a bit after that, but never, never up to that sort of level. You know, I did some 21s and things, but never really got into the ultra marathon stuff again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I want to get round to it because uh, I think we've, we've sketched pretty much the background and then mm. you had this Dakar dream. You wanted to go for this Dakar race. Yeah. And we'll get round to the rest of the story just now. So blame Ned Vyers. Sladipat saw me Ruben Del Marsh on Groot FM 90.5.
Joey Evans hier bij mij in het atelier. En uh, als je nog iets van Joey Evans hoort, die gaan je definitief vandaag gaan je weten wie Joey Evans is. Je gaan beslissen. Uh, somebody said it earlier in one of your interviews, your previous interviews. I said you're the most famous South African bike rider. If, 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 if you're a bike bike rider, you don't know Joey Evans. You don't know any bike. You don't know any bike. You don't know any bike. You don't know So Joey Evans uh, in studio, and we spoke about. Um, you said earlier that you're the total adventurer at heart, uh, and you, you you bought your first off-road bike when you were 26 hey? That's it, yeah. bought your first off-road bike and you had this ultimate goal to get to Dakar you started preparing for that right yeah well, that's it you know that, that was the big goal at the time you know I got married pretty young I was 23 when I got married nice and uh, yeah but hear this by the time I was 28 I had uh, four daughters Excellent. so there you go <laughs> nice. so, so you want to know about trials there you go I'll tell you right there but uh, but yeah so to do, a, to do a race like the Dakar rally would have costed just so much money you know like three times what I was earning in a year you know it was just crazy but in the back of my mind, I was like, one day, one day we're going to do that. And in the yeah. meantime, I chased other goals like the, the Roof of Africa and, and those type of things and raced different championships. But that dream to race the Dakar along with the rest of my life was just completely destroyed um, on the 13th of October, 2007. What? What happened? So on that day, I lined up at the start of a race. You know, I'm lying second in the championship. You know, it's, you know I've got to win this race. You know, it was so important at the time. And that was the last thing I remembered, you know, lining up at that race. And the next thing, I'm lying on my back and I'm facing the sky and there's all these heads peering down at me. And what had happened was going into that first corner, um, it was down in Heidelberg here, and and going into that first corner, there was a big high-speed crash. And in the mayhem, I'd been ridden over by the other bikes and things as well. And I lay there just, uh, and I thought I had stones in my mouth at first, and I started spitting out these stones, but it it turned out to be my teeth. You know, I'd shattered 12 of my teeth right down into the gums. Um, but that wasn't the worst injury. The next thing, you know, I realized that I couldn't feel my legs. And so there was just no feeling from my chest down, no feeling, no movement. Um, and there was a lot of complications that day. I ended up lying in the dirt there for, for about three hours. Um, and then I was transferred by road to, to three different hospitals and actually ended up just up the road here at the, at the Milmed unit um, here in Pretoria. Mm. And that was where I learned the, the extent of my injuries. And, and what I'd done is I'd broken my T8 and T9 vertebrae in my back and I'd, and I'd crushed my spinal cord. Hectic. And that had a lot of, the goal was gone. Yeah. You couldn't ride a bike, oh, obviously. Yeah. yeah, you see, you know, I'd lost all movement in my legs and I was completely paralyzed. And I'd heard words like, you know, quadriplegic and paraplegic and these kind of things, but I didn't really understand what they, me- what they meant. But lying in that hospital being told that, you know, you're never going to walk again, that this is it, you know. Doctor said 10% chance of you walking again. Is that yeah. right? Well, that was after after they fused my back. Originally, they said, look, you're not going to walk again. It is yeah. what it is, you know. And you've got to come to terms with it. And those first, you know, few days, there was just nothing. No movement, no, no anything, you know. And then I got like a, a little flicker in my right toe where if I really focused, I could make my right toe just twitch a little bit. And then, uh, then my back was fused, you know, um, the doctor fused my back at T8, T9, and then that flicker in my right toe disappeared again, and I had nothing. And my oh, legs yeah. were just wasting away, these skinny little legs, and, you know, along with it, you lose all bowel control or bladder control, you know, your ability to digest food properly, it was, it was terrible, you know, terrible, terrible times, and there's, there's really next to no hope. Um, but then the, the flicker in my toe came back. And slowly but surely, I started to get a little bit more, a little bit more. And as the weeks and months months passed, you know, I started to be able to move my legs a little, and eventually be able to stand with these braces on my legs, and and started taking some some first steps again. Hectic. And from then, it just progressed. Tell us a story. Yeah, well, then you know, as I lay there in the hospital, I thought about this dream to race the Dakar Rally. And obviously, at the time, the big 
thing was just to be able to walk again. You know, it'd be fantastic just to be able to get out the wheelchair and, and be able to walk. But there was this goal to, to race the Dakar. And I thought, you know what? I'm still going to race the Dakar rally. How? You know, that's just, you know, it was just one of those things that, you know, you need. When you're in a place like that, it's hard. It's difficult, man, on every level, emotional and physical and everything. It was just tough. And I, I needed a line in the sand to say, I'm going to beat this, you, you know, and, and I'll, I'll know I've beaten it when I race the Dakar rally. Um, and so slowly but surely learned to walk again. And then the time came to, you know, it was about two and a half years before I climbed back on a motorcycle just to, just to ride on a flat piece of ground. And, 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 and I fell over the first time I got on the bike. I couldn't hold it up. But, uh, yeah. you know, I started riding again. Incredible. And then well, how long did it take you? Uh, I mean, eventually you completed, you actually completed the Dakar rally after all this. Yeah, that's it. It, it took, uh, it actually took, it took me three and a half years before I could enter my first race because you need to qualify for the Dakar. So over the years, I've got to, I've got to race now. I've got to get back into racing. And that was scary, man, getting back into race again. But it took me, yeah. you know, so over the years and then built up, did an international uh, international rally in Morocco um, in 2015, eventually, 2016, um, and then qualified, uh, you know, sent in all my details and entry and, and I got an entry to the 2017 Dakar rally. Hectic yeah. and completed, but now I mean, obviously that didn't just. There was a lot of challenges. I mean, you, what I want to say is, from being a paraplegic to completing yeah. the Dakar, obviously that Dakar in itself had its own challenges. Uh, for sure, you know, when I stood on that start line, though, you must remember that I'm not, I'm not fully able-bodied still. Exactly. You know, so I can I can walk yeah. fine. Most people won't notice I've got a problem anymore, um, but I can't run. I uh, can't jump. Um, I can't feel hot or cold or, or pain sensation below my chest. And to be frank, I, I still have to take medication to help me digest food and I, and I still use catheters. Yeah, yeah. And so to, to be in that kind of situation on the start line of the Dakar rally, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty intimidating. I can imagine, eh? Yeah. And I mean, even at the Dakar rally, we're going to get round to that just now. I mean, even at the Dakar, if, even if it's not, I mean, 10 years later, yeah. here you are, you at, you're at the Dakar, you're like, this is it. And this is just going to be, I'm going to complete the Dakar, we're going to write all the lines, speak all the correct lines, and then something happens there as well. And oh, yeah. it's unbelievable. We're going to get around to that just now. Sladdy Pat, samen met Ruben Delmaas op Groot FM 90.5. Maar luister, ek is gefascineerd. Ek leer vandag verskittig baie. Want jy weet, die mens sit moest nou, like you said, you sit on the couch and you watch the comrades. I normally sit on the couch and I watch the deck on. I think he's ook sag, wat gaan aan met hulle, hulle weet nie wat hulle doen nie, hulle lekkers of hulle weet hulle doen, en hulle krijg hulle behoorlijk baie krijg nie. En that's uh, a lot of stuff, I mean, just, just share a bit about the deck on, because I mean, we spoke off air now, we spoke mm. about how to just navigate, because I mean, I, I would be scared the whole time that I'm going to get lost. Yeah, oh, and you do get lost, you know, that's all part of it, you know, you don't have a... You don't have a GPS track or anything like that. You work off a set of instructions that's printed on a, on a roll of paper that's that's like 10 or 12 meters long with all these little individual instructions on, you know. And so, and you work on a on a compass heading. So we call them, you know, cap headings. So for instance, if you're racing through deserts where it's just dunes, um, you race on a compass heading. So you'll race for say, you know, eight or nine kilometers at 220 degrees. Then you, you know, take a hard right and you go at 70 degrees for another, uh, you, you know, three or four kilometers. Then you go again. So it's all, you get lost frequently. Yeah. You know? And yeah. then you need to get back to, to uh, like you said now, you need to get, you need to go back, revert back yeah. to, to familiar. If you, yeah. If you get lost, the only thing you can do is retrace your steps yeah. and go back to the last place where you knew you were, which can be 40 kilometers back sometimes. Yes. But you've got to go back there, get back there and then retrace and work it out again, get it right. How fast is that deck off? 
um, in how far? Yeah. Um, the distance is 9,000 kilometers. Yeah. So, yeah, to give you an idea, like visually how far that is, that's from Cape Town to Cairo plus 1,000 kilometers. That's yes. how far it is. And you do it in, in two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. And a lot of sleep, eh? Uh, very, very little sleep. <laughs> Hectic. How m- yeah. But how many hours do you like ride, ride are you on the bike then? Well, it all depends. You know, obviously, the, the, one of the beautiful things about Dakar is that you have the top professionals in the world, right the way down to amateurs like myself. You know, I'm not a top professional racer or anything like that. And so it, you get to rub shoulders with these top guys. So obviously, the race has to be challenging for the top guys. And so for guys like, you know, they'll race, you know, often 10 or 12 hours a day even. Um, Whereas guys like me, you know, I had, you know, my average day was probably about 17 hours. And I had, I had two days in particular where I went 22 hours on the bike. Yeah. And the terrain and how you need to plan to ride your different lines and Mm. all the different textures. Is that the the, the, the surfaces? That's the right word. Yeah. Uh, Planning for that and and the dangers that goes with this Dakar. I mean, how many, what's the stats? Yeah, well, to give you an idea, in in 39 years of of the Dakar rally, um, up until my race in, in, in 2017, There'd been more than seventy deaths, seven zero deaths what? in in thirty nine years. So it's it's and that plays on your mind. You know, I watched it on TV a lot before. Obviously, I'm a big fan, and you hear about these deaths, and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's guys taking big chances and stuff. And suddenly, when you're there in the mix of it, in the middle of a desert, for instance, and you've got trucks coming over dunes in all directions, and they can't see over those dunes, and you're on a little bike, and you get stuck yeah. in the sand, and you realize that man, you can you can die very easily out here. You experienced that first end. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, you know, I got I got through the race. There was three of us, you know, South Africans that started the race, and and the one guy, um, you know, Walter Tablanche, really good rider. He had a he burnt out his motor at high altitude in the dunes on day four, and on day five, um, David Thomas, um, another South African, really top rider. He had a big high speed crash, broke his leg in in nine places, um, and so I was the the last South African left in the race, and and I got through it all. It was thirteen days, you know, that year, and I got all the way to day twelve. And on day 12, I had a massive incident and I was, you know, I was struggling in the race and, you know, I was, I was lying stone lost in the bike category. But my goal is just to finish, you know, just to get to that finish line. And, and I was overtaken by a car. And what happens is, you know, you have cars and trucks overtake you every day. And I'd experienced it many times. They have a little system where the guy in the car or the truck will see the biker in the distance or see his dust. They press a button in their car and it sends off an alarm on your bike. And then as a bike, you get out the way and you stop and then this vehicle comes racing past. And the purpose of that is to make it safer. Um, and my alarm went off on that day, lying stone lost. I'm, lying, I'm riding in a deep rut in like this sort of semi-desert environment. And I turn around expecting to see this car, you know, 200 meters back. And he's like 30 meters back doing double my speed. <sighs> and I try to turn out the way, get out of this rut. And I just couldn't get out. And he was just, he just, I had like three or four seconds to get out the way. And I couldn't. And... As he was right on to me, I just dived off that bike and he just rode right over my bike and just destroyed my bike. Hectic. That's crazy. And then you laid there. Uh, what happened? I mean, now you're, you're hurt. I mean, there's not a lot of people. Did they even stop? Oh, there, was, there was no one there. No one. You're in the middle of the desert all on your own. And this guy stopped about 30 meters up and the navigator stood out the car and gave me like a thumbs up. And I was like, you know, I'm on my knees I'm next to this bike. Up, I'm like, yeah. no, you know. Yes. And he just got back in the car and went. And so there I was just all on my own in the middle of the desert in South America with this bike in pieces um, and out of the race on the second last day, just Hick. just gutted. But know? what happened then? What happened? Well, I dragged the bike out of the track, you know, and stood it up. And, and I mean, the whole exhaust was flattened. The frame was bent. My handlebars were bent. The, 
the right foot peg completely broken off, all my navigation equipment completely destroyed, the whole carbon fiber tower on the bike broken, petrol tanks all ruptured, you know, all my petrol had leaked out, I had just, you had three, you had three petrol tanks on the bike, and I just had the one with a couple of liters left, and, and it just, for all intensive purposes, I'm out this race. Yeah, and, and, and did you complete eventually? Well, what I did is uh, it, 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 it's just the craziest, you know, turn of events you can imagine. So yeah. I, I started working on that bike, trying to get it to work again, and it took me, you know, a good part of an hour, and, and I managed to get the bike working. Um, but yeah. without a right foot peg and with bars bent and the frame bent and stuff, I just kind of limped along, yeah, you know, yeah. through the desert type area, but but off the track because I couldn't, because there was cars and trucks coming through now and again, I couldn't stay in that track anymore. And I was just making no ground, and I still had 660 kilometers to race that day. Hmm. And so it, it was just the worst feeling. 660 yeah. kilometers still to go. And I can't tell you how it feels to be, to be out of the race, but, but you're still in the race. But there's no ways. I'm running out of petrol. There's no ways I'm going to make it to the next point where I can get petrol. There's no one around. I'm the last biker. No one I can get petrol from. And I'm just, I'm just pushing on. And I just decided that I would only quit when, I, when the time came the next morning. Because in yeah. rally... You're only out if you miss your start time the next day. So yeah. I can still ride right through the night, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I just kept pushing, and I was running out of petrol, and then the most incredible thing happened. And in the middle of the desert, there was a bike just sitting there. Um, you know, a KTM, you know, 450 rally replica, exactly yeah. the same bike as mine, no just sitting ways. there. No And um, what had happened was the guy whose bike it was, he'd had a... He'd had a, he'd had a high-speed crash, and he'd broken his arms, and he'd been medevaced out in the chopper. And so I came across this bike, and the, and the rules of Dakar is I, ca- I can't ride that bike. I have to finish on my own bike, but I can, I can strip parts from this bike. <laughs> oh, nice. And so this guy's out the race. And so, How was that? Yeah, and then there was a few Argentinian guys there, you know, just these, these, these guys on old dirt bikes following the race in the middle of the desert. They were there by the bike, and, and they helped me, and we stripped the whole exhaust off the bike, and we siphoned the petrol out of it, and we, <laughs> we got a foot peg and put it all on my bike. And by this point, um, I was now four hours behind the behind the the second last biker so he was four hours ahead of me um, just stone stone last and i and then i decided to ride and i rode that bike you know late into the night um just you know it was eight nine o'clock at night i was still riding right up until you know two o'clock in the morning i'm still riding and and at 11 minutes past two i I rolled into that second last camp of of the deck already hectic and then like i said eventually you just finished the the, the 2017 decor and i mean the stories that you can tell because i mean we've got so limited time you've got a book out that's it uh where there's so much more i mean you you're leaving out a lot of info and a lot of detail because there's so much more to tell Mm. you've got a book out where you've written all about it Uh, yeah am i right what's that yeah that's it yeah it's 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 called from para to dakar yeah and and it was so nice to write the book you know i wrote it all myself and it was a book that that was it was really good for myself from a point of view that you can put it all down you know all the feelings about you know being paralyzed you know life in a wheelchair and 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 then building up to this goal that people around you thought was ridiculous that you're never going to achieve it and Absolutely, stuff and, yeah. and slowly but surely this 10-year journey and you know the support i got from from my wife meredith and my children and 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 so many friends and family and and all this you know this you know just slowly etching away to achieve this goal yeah. you know incredible your your 
if you had to, t- I'm going to put you, I'm going to put you on the spot now. One go. sentence for people mm. that's going through really hard times in life where they just feel, you know what, I just cannot go on anymore. I mean, you've been through that not just once, not twice. You've been through it many times yeah. at the worst and the hardest places in life possibly yeah. that one can imagine. One sentence for people that just cannot, they decided, you know what, I cannot go on anymore. Yeah. What's that one sentence from Man, Joey I, Evans? I had, a, I, had a, I had a quote that I had on my bike and it was on, on my bike, you know, on my handlebars where I could see it for, for quite a lot of time during the race. And it's not a quote I've made up myself. It was just, you know, a quote I found on the internet that I just really liked in it. Yeah. And it says, you didn't come this far to only come this far. And I wanted to remember what I'd been through, you know, my whole life. And no matter how bad Dakar got, no matter how tough it got, no matter what we had to suck up, it was two weeks, man. I could do it. And so when you have those things happen in your life, you've got to think about everything that you've been through to get you this far that's made you the person you are. And when you think about that, it gives you a bit of perspective. And it's not about how your story starts or about the trials and stuff. It's, it's how it ends. And you make sure you write a good ending to that story. Unbelievable. Joey Evans, ladies and gentlemen, please tell me where can people follow you on social media, websites, uh, just to get you maybe uh, to come and talk to them. Uh, maybe someone, because I mean, you do talks as well, right? That's it, yeah. That's what I do. I do it full time now. You know, I do, I do talks for companies and you know, clubs and schools and all that type of stuff. Um, and my website is just joeyevans.co.za. I'm on Facebook as well quite a bit, um, you know, Joey Evans and also uh, From Para to Dakar. Yeah. And the book's available in, in exclusive books as well as it's on sportsman's warehouses and, and a lot of KTM dealerships as well. Yeah, cool, man. What an inspiration. I'm, I'm so glad that the only thing that I have to do is like the comrades. I mean, that's, 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 uh, I've, I've, I just need to do the comrades. There I mean, it's go. just like 89Ks. I mean, it's and and not no like, one's trying to kill you there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Joey, what an inspiration, man. Uh, thank you so much for taking time right, to come and you, chat man. to us. And uh, we're going to be podcasting this at a later stage as well for cool. people to listen to again. So go out and create the book for yourself. I'm proud to Dakar. Uh, thank you so much for the copy. Pleasure. Uh, signed copy. Thank you so much for that. I'm going to definitely be reading that and uh yes i hope to uh are you planning on doing it again oh man you know just the way it ended and everything that happened uh, i'd never go back to south america you know it was just everything it could have been and yes. you know to go back would wouldn't just wouldn't match up to that yeah but it moves around you know the dakar rally has been held in north africa in south america they've raced you know so many places and if it came to south africa in the next few years uh we might have to squeeze out one more. Now, look at that. I will not be joining you. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, legendary. I, man, thank you so much. You're really inspiring me. And uh, I'm going to be keeping you close on my WhatsApp. Uh, you might run up to that comrade. So I'm going to be chatting to you a lot. Thank you so much for your time. Cheers, man. Thank you, buddy. Dames and heren, Joey Evans. Sladdy Pat, so with Ruben Del Maas op Groot FM 90.5.